You are listening to TJ Talks. Be aware, this show contains explicit language. All right. I guess we're going to get the show on the road. Right. Now that you're podcasting from the new. From- well, let's start like usual. We should always start like usual. Okay. You know all this is going to be before we even start. It will show of course. up. you got to keep it in there. <laughs> Hell, we don't edit anything on this show. If anybody ever listens, they'll know that. I know. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to TJ Talks. I'm your host, Judd. And I'm Teresa. Hey, good Saturday morning. Yes, thank goodness. It's a sense of renewal on a Saturday, not a Sunday. I know. It's quiet. I know. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Nothing. The sound of silence. <laughs> I love it. How did we both get so lucky? I don't know, but we both are lucky enough to be enjoying. Well, you're in, oh, except for that dog noise back there. You're in Florida. Your wife's away. Right. I'm uh, here in California, and my husband and children are gone for the weekend. So it's completely quiet around my house, all to myself. Man, I'll tell you and what. And what are you going to do all weekend, Jed? Well, I'm planning on jumping around naked up and down on the furniture. <laughs> I knew you'd be naked for most of it. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I even thought I could be naked if I wanted to. And I thought, no, I really don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really don't need that, actually. No. <laughs> well, the weather's beautiful, so it is, it's great if you were going to hang out naked at your house. <laughs> In Florida, anyways. See, this is the difference between you and I. You can be naked alone, and I, I want to be naked with somebody else. Oh, well. <laughs> No, okay, so my husband and kids, as yeah. I talk about being naked with somebody else, um, are out at a off-road race in Arizona. So go Team Cold Forged. They're racing uh, VW stuff this weekend and hopefully winning. Cool. Very, very cool. So, uh, And where is the better half of the Spitzer duo? Uh, up in St. Augustine with a girls' uh, weekend. So... Two things. Isn't St. Augustine like the first, the oldest city? In the United States. In the U.S., right? Yeah. Yeah. And didn't, what's his name, Ponce de Leon, go there looking for the Fountain of Youth? Oh, it's there. I've drank some of the crappy water out of that place. What? Yeah. Oh, it's an actual, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I need to visit. It's a tourist trap. Trust me. I have to send her a message to say, please send me some Fountain of Youth water. They sell it. (laughs) They bottle it and sell it in little bottles. Of course. Really? I need a bottle of that. Okay, I'm going to hook me up. It it is a crazy place up there. And, of course, you know, Ponce de Leon, to boardwalk the subject as we often do here. (laughs) He was a short guy. Just wanted you to know. (laughs) Oh, do we know how tall he was? He was no taller than five feet. I think he was even shorter than that. You could be Ponce de Leon reincarnated then. I I could. And apparently he was even taller at the time than the natives that were here. Oh, people were just generally shorter. People were generally shorter. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's fascinating. So So I'm like Doctor Who because I've come from another time and I've come forward when people were shorter and... That's right. No. no, I totally understand you. Get, you you yeah, get that. I, I okay. pick up what you're laying down. Not a problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, good for her. She's on Girls Weekend with some friends. You have the house all to yourself. Mm-hmm. Nice. Enjoy. I have all the expectations of cleaning that and, and a honey-do list that must be done. <laughs> See, what's funny is that you have the honey-do list and the sort of lamenting it. And I'm thinking the house is to myself. I can totally clean anything I want and it'll stay clean for more than 24 hours. So I'm thrilled. <laughs> Uh, actually, it, it is pretty nice. I've, I've been doing, catching up on some laundry and some things that I normally don't get to do when, you know, things well, are going. No go- wonder you're naked if you have to do laundry. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, every well, bit of. we're naked, we always have laundry to do. Every bit of clothes could be washed. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Well, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we are, we've already really kind of covered that first one, Home Alone. <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to talk about the fact that the, the world is ending soon. So hold up on using up those gift cards, folks. <laughs> gift cards and paying your mortgage, right? right. I'm going to wait. Uh, just wait. I'm going to take that late fee this month and just see what happens. <laughs> but do you do you max out the cards? <laughs> we have a lot to talk about with that one. So I know. What else is on the hit rate? Yeah. Uh, Intelligence Squared U.S. We're going to talk a little bit about the debate that happened last week which was very interesting. And I was online doing a 
what I consider a live tweet of the event. So that way, and I'm I'm engaged with this whole Intelligence Squared U.S. debate series. Gotcha. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about five things really smart people do. A little bit of fun little article, right? Yeah, yeah. I do a good two thirds of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. So we're just smart, not really smart, but just smart, right? Smart enough, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Street smart, I guess. That's it. Uh, let's see. World's most powerful people. Who are they? And are they really that powerful? And then I think we should take it into like who's powerful in your life. Mm. Like that might be kind of interesting. Well, we'll see where we go with it. Uh, you know, I wonder what those people's clout scores are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're not as high as ours. <laughs> and finally on the podcast, John McAfee. It. Oh yeah, we have to talk about him, right? That's it. Yeah, he, the Mr. Mr. Antivirus, who yeah. uh, wasn't as tech savvy as he thought. <laughs> so I can't believe how he got caught. So we're going fi- to talk a little bit about that, and that's okay. that's all today on the podcast. So, well, uh, getting back into Home Alone, I'm I actually I got a new computer here this this week. Yeah, got my new MacBook Pro, which we're podcasting. I'm recording it right now on that. And I think it's doing pretty well. I'm super excited for you. Oh, well, thanks. And I'm now in the big podcast studio, as it were. <laughs> the I'd like to call it a podcast layer. Layer. Yes, Your it is. Layer. Yeah. Well, I have now the old lap. There's nothing wrong with the old laptop, really, other than it's slow-er. But it works fine. I mean, I would have kept it if I didn't had if I hadn't had already saved up the money for the new laptop. We would still be podcasting with the old one. So it's sitting here on side by side and we're using it. I'm using it to pull up articles and things like that. Right. But the new laptop allows me to mirror the screen up on a 32 inch TV on the wall. And just it's crazy. So you are media central. It's, it is total media central here. I'm so happy. For I'll, you. I'll that po- is super cool. I, um, I'll post a picture. First of all, I'm completely jealous. I want a MacBook like nobody's business. But uh, I think it's exciting that you got it, and I think it's cool that you got your discount on it, you know, your Navy discount. I think that's great. Good for oh, thanks. you. Thanks. And frankly, you do, like I've said, you do all the hard work in the podcast side of this, and you put it all out. So I'm glad you have this computer to make life easier in that regard. Oh, it's going to be able to go faster. Like when I go convert to MP3, this thing will be like, bam. That's so funny. Five you know, minutes instead of half hour. The four people, I think, that listen, that, you know, we really much off the cuff this whole show, and very rarely do you have to do many edits. Yeah, when we first started, we were doing some edits, but we've pretty much stopped that. Yeah, we just talk, and you usually can just put most of it out on the air. I mean, unless something happens and, you know, I spill my coffee on my desk and we have to stop for a moment, but like we f- usually just go. We riff this thing. Yeah, a phone call or something yeah, of that nature. Ill timed email or something yes yep so that's otherwise we're live we, we, it's just as it was <laughs> live from the layer that's what you are today that's it all right so we were we're home alone we're getting a podcast it's nice and quiet and now we have the realization of the fact that christmas is soon upon us and we will never get to see it but you get Hanukkah tonight. I do. See, yeah. See, the Jews got lucky out of this whole Mayan calendar business. I get my Hanukkah. Chosen people, huh? But, uh, we were cho- <laughs> we were chosen to have the last holiday before the end of the world. So okay, so I have two concerns about this end of the world thing. First of all, I'm not hearing enough calamity about it. Right, like. People are joking, fine, mm-hmm. but I expect a little of that Y2K craziness. Am I just not reading the right reports? Are people going crazy and I don't know it? Or is it really silently just going by and nobody's giving it two shits? You, you know, the, this is what's so funny about it is that – do you remember on the year 2000 when it was coming up? I remember people who stocked up on stuff like it really was the end of the world. Right. And that's pre nine eleven, right? Yes, when people pre- didn't have to be paranoid. That's right. And in fact, they were buying guns. They were, and, and these are pe- smart people that worked out at the space center, which tells right. you how smart they really were. 
I try to explain how a computer works. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because what happens is you have these religious nuts that believe in pseudoscience that told other people that there are clocks inside microprocessors. Well, there are clocks. Those clocks just don't know what the date is. All they are, they're timing mechanisms. They just, yeah. they just maintain 24 hours, right? No, they don't even do that. They maintain no. time uh, okay. because to data and time are related. I know it seems kind of weird, but it's ones and zeros, clock, clock, yeah, clock. Yeah, yeah. And so when the data stream goes, they have to, so how you, how do you know that you just received a one or a zero? Well, that the one lasts for so many milliseconds. Okay. So that timing is part of the stream. So you get a, a timing stream and you get a data stream. And then okay. when they're synced, you know that the data that you got, what, whether it was a one or a zero, that, that's what that's about. But you lost me. I got to go buy some water and stock up. I know you do. It's, it's crazy. And, and that's the, really the problem is that people just are, they're not thinking. Right. <laughs> so they're, whatever somebody tells them, they believe. And there's been no official government announcement about this, right? Like no one is saying, keep calm and carry on. Everybody, there's just, there's just not paying any attention to it. That's true. We, we haven't had a good internet meme yet. That says, keep calm, the Mayans are right. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it is, right? The Mayans. Well, and I'm sure you feel the same. Well, I shouldn't speak for you, but I would assume that the Maya, it's all bogus and ridiculous and stupid, right? Uh, yeah. And the thing that is scary about it is people that are going to go freaking crazy. Well, you wait until the two or three days before the 21st, and yeah. we'll, we'll see how Meshuggah the world gets. I can only imagine. And I'm a little disturbed because I have concert tickets for a concert in Hollywood on the night of the 21st. And now I'm thinking, this is probably not the place to be. It's the nerve center of crazy. And we're going to be at the nerve center of crazy watching this concert. Nice. Um, I may have to rethink this plan. <laughs> oh, come on. It ain't going to be. The, you know, I heard some story with, that they had a video or video TV show on the history channel and that there's some science uh, that they've been trying to use to back up this thing. Okay. That there's going to be some sort of sun explosion that's going to knock out all sorts of electronics. What is the deal? Are we going to go by sun explosion or asteroid or what, what is exactly, I'm trying to think of all the things that can happen because to knock out the entire world, it's got to be like a whole universe galaxy kind of thing. It can't just be a giant tsunami because that's not going to take out everybody. Uh, let's see here. Occur on December 20th. And if it's a plague, it's got to hit and, you know, we all have to die fairly simultaneously. Mm. Let's see. Wikipedia has some interesting stuff on it. Uh, let's see here. Which, you know, and Wikipedia being the uh, resounding source of truth. They are totally – do you know every time they show pictures of the Mayan calendar, they show uh, an Aztec calendar? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> have you have you shit. seen that? That's, Way to go, Wiki. I know. Let's see here. Uh, apocalypse. Where is, oh. <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I you know – I don't have I don't even have enough emergency preserves for earthquake territory that I live in. So I'm definitely not prepared for what could potentially be the end of the world. Maybe I'll make a run to Costco between now and then and pick up some extra lunch meat and bottles of water cuz you know, what are you really going to do? Oh, here's an interesting fact. Uh, apparently the sun's December solstice falls on December 21st this year. Always. Cuz that's the shortest day of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, it is always that annually that day. It's always the 21st? Yeah, I think so. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. I did not. Just like the vernal equinox is always um, March 21st or something like that, whatever it is. June okay. 21st, sorry. Hmm. So, let's see. It says, hmm. But I think that, and I don't do anything to celebrate the equinox or any of those sorts of things. But I do take note of those days. Oh, maybe, this... maybe there's something intrinsically genetic or evolutionary in us that makes us sort of recognize that. Millions of years would make you recognize it. This is what they said. They said there was going to be a planet alignment on that, okay. that date. Uh, 
But right now, according to the wiki, there is no conjunction on that date of planet alignment. And that planet alignment occurred both in the year 2000 and 2010 with no ill results for the Earth. And there's like this theory that if the planets align in such a way, it could cause a gravitational or geomagnetic uh, reversal and create uh, triggered by massive solar flares that will release energy equal to 100 billion atomic bombs. This is what they believe is going to happen. That's like when they, if they would were to have crossed the streams in Ghostbusters, right? When they're shooting their it, laser guns. It's like two guys in the restroom crossing streams. Crossing Absolutely. Streams. <laughs> yes. Okay, now that visual is going to be in my brain on December 21st all day. <laughs> yes, son. Everyone gets to cross streams and try to destroy the earth. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I'm going to believe that there are a lot of people much smarter than me yeah. that can debunk all this and understand that it's not it's not going to happen and hopefully persuade all the nutsos that think it might. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I will always stand by the belief that we ain't getting out of here this easy, right? We're not all going at once. There's no way they're, you know, the universe is going to make it easy on us all to leave. You, so. know, you know how many people have predicted the end of the world? <laughs> it's, Accurately, none of them, right? <laughs> none of them. No one has done it. And you know why they, them, they can't do it? Because it isn't going to happen. Just like you said. Unless man does it with purpose, you know, right. you know, if we, we get into a war and we shoot off all the nukes yeah, okay, but you ain't going to know what day that is, you know, and I think we're in pretty good, pretty good, well protected from that other than, you know, Iran or something going crazy. I was going to say, and I, even then, I don't think we have too much to worry about. Unfortunately, I think we're, you know, fairly okay. Yeah. So we should be able to podcast then is what we're saying on the 22nd, which is the Saturday. In fact, I think we should. Yeah, that, that's Send true. up a flare saying that we have survived. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, you know what, we'll, we'll pre-record it and have it come out. <laughs> that's my good idea. That's a better idea. This is a recording from the planet Earth. Sort of H.G. Willie in that way. I like it. I know. It'd be funny. We should do that. All right. Well, so much for the end of the world. Okay. Well, debating things. That is a pretty exciting thing in my mind as a Toastmaster, as someone who generally just likes to hear both sides of an argument and give both sides some credence. But legitimate debate, like these Intelligence Squared debates are, not political bogus bullshit debates. Right. And yeah. NPR has a series called Intelligence Squared U.S., and they stole it, sort of, from the British. Uh, the, there's Oxford-style debating called Intelligence Squared, whether they do this over in the U.K. So the United States, with the uh, uh, Rosencrantz Foundation, they... Are, uh, are doing this debate series, and they've been doing well, it. We steal all the good stuff from the UK. The oh. Office, Dancing with the Stars, all those good shows come from the UK. Right. <laughs> so this last week, I was live tweeting, which I tweeted about 50 or 60 tweets in about two hours or so. The topic was, uh, Science Refutes God. And so these two sides have to debate the motion. They can't they can try to go outside the motion, but you as the listener should be focusing on, on who best defends or creates a rejected argument for that motion. Got it. And so I'm a science guy, and I kind of believe in God in a, a theistic sense. So I'm, you know, being Jewish, it, it's hard to not believe in God. I, way it is and to not be talkative and not to be exactly <laughs> it's a good trait yeah so they had two guys uh, larry kraus was uh, and michael Shermer were for the debate let's see here I who was the moderator i'm sorry did john, john donvin is ah. the moderator from abc news and yeah. from npr as he said in in the debate, he's an award-winning journalist. <laughs> <But, laughs> throw that little public 
note in there, huh? And then he said, he goes, aren't all journalists award-winning journalists? <laughs> we should be an award-winning podcast, don't you think? Right. <laughs> and against the debate were Ian Hutchinson and Dinesh D'Souza. And so those guys were trying to debate that, you know, science doesn't re refute God. And I spent some time thinking about all of this. And I said, well, my biggest issue about the God debate in my mind is what happened before everything happened. Okay. It's, it's time. Time is where, in my mind, you have this God issue that, it, you know, the, the argument was brought up talking about the laws of conservation in the mm -hmm. physical world. How do you get something from nothing? Okay. And Larry Krauss, Lawrence Krauss, he says, claims that there's some sort of uh, theory that physicists have that says that, in fact, the universe can have evolved from nothing. I'm okay. Like, I'm like, okay, well, he didn't explain it, and I'll give him a pass because he's like a smart guy. But <laughs> but so is these other guys, professor of nuclear science and engineering at MIT, that's Ian Hutchinson. Uh, Lawrence Krauss is the director of Origins Project at, uh, at Arizona State University. So, I mean, right. these are some true scientists. Sure. Yeah, these people have total street cred when it comes to being smart. Yeah. The other guys were more of the softer variety of science and, and re culture and religion. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, you probably know, did that movie about Obama. Obama. 2016, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't, didn't see it. I didn't see it either. But apparently he's a very, uh, you know, causes a lot of controversy. He does. Yeah, the movie was quite uh, controversial. So, I I mean, I don't know. He He seemed like he was pretty good in the debate. But he just – these two guys could not frame the debate in a way to get them to win. And I think their biggest issue was they framed God in the standpoint of a Christian-only God. Oh, interesting. And, and that, I think, hurt them from a debate standpoint. So do you think that as intelligent Christians, yeah. they should at least acknowledge the different variations of a godlike figure. Well, see, that's exactly what Michael Shermer brought up in his argument for the motion. Is he said, "Well, how many people here believe in Thor, and how many people here believe in the all these different gods?" Yeah, right. And he said, "Well, you, you and I can both agree that we're all atheists except for this one god that you still believe in." My point is to just get you to move off of the one more god. <laughs> Well, you know, you cannot refute good science like the secret. <laughs> you know the secret, the whole law of attraction thing, right? Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> and and that – okay, so here's my very uneducated, undeliberate opinion about it is that there is too much in the world that you can't explain, right? I mean phenomena. Mm -hmm. There's plenty that you can't explain through science about the starting of the planet and all of that, which I get. But there are still some things that you can't explain. And I think that that is where we will never have an end to this debate, right? Because that's what will keep people searching, questing, whatever, which is great. Um, and, and for people to have something to believe in, I think it's important to mankind. Because if you don't have a higher thing to believe in, then I think you lose a little bit of hope for humanity. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, you know, and they talked about that, that, well, why are we here? What do we, what's our purpose and things like that. And then the side force goes into this whole argument of humanity develops religion and political or governmental systems to control right. people. So if the government can't control people, you can't get them there. You, t you get them so wrapped up in their head that if you screw up here, we'll get you here and we'll get you after you die. So, so yes, yeah, so I get it. It's sort of a, uh, a barless prison, so to speak, right. That we all have to live in because we have these social conformities that we have to muster. Right. But I guess the ultimate question then 
is does morality exist in the absence of religion? That if we didn't have any religious structure of any kind, would we still be deemed capable of being moral? Yes. And, and when I use the term moral, I mean, you know, being nice people for that matter. I'm not, you know. Well, I know that it's, that the answer is yes, because if you're Jewish, you believe in this concept of uh, Noah's law is what they consider it to be. Okay. And there's this concept of there's like seven things that all societies that are not non-Jewish societies will still do and still be worthy in the eyes of God without being their chosen God's chosen people or whatever the hell you want to call it. So, okay. And so uh, there's definitely precedent out there to say that you don't have to follow God to be in God's graces, I guess. Fair enough. Based upon the society that you live in. And sure. So, you know, and just if you follow these moral codes, but they, they seem to suggest that it's a natural law that humans will, if, if they come together as a society, will make these demands upon people. Oh, wow. That's deep. I don't know. I think we should be, um, now I'm speechless, which is unusual, but I think <laughs> I like what you're saying. I thought the, the debate was interesting. Um, I don't know how we ever – you're never going to have an answer, right? Well, see, the whole thing – and that's why I think that because they chose to frame God as a Christian God where it, it just let Michael Shermer, who's a uh, – he, he was a – I think a born-again or an evangelistic Christian at one point in his life and he had some epiphany and then he became an atheist and he is the – uh, founder of Skeptic Magazine. It's Do you have of, a subscription to Skeptic? We didn't talk about that. No, no I, 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 I bought it at the store before, but I didn't subscribe to the magazine. Uh, <laughs> and, but the, he, he goes and he says, well, okay, so what you want me to believe is that, and then he goes and kind of explains this whole way that he perceives uh, Jesus Christ to mm -hmm. be that the manifestation of God. And so God sends his son and kills his son to, uh, to wash away sins that he, I, I, you have to listen to it, but he basically goes into the, it's the very circular logic sure, sure. is what he does. And well, well, more importantly, did you see the Andy McDowell question? I did. And what did she ask? I don't remember. I, but, but she was sort of a celebrity in the audience. Yeah. She asked, uh, explain an orchid. Okay. And uh, for some reason, people seem to think that orchids have this outside the box thing going on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Outside yeah. the box. Uh, and the Georgia O'Keeffe orchid reference. All right. There's something there, but let's uh, move I don't on. Know. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I, I, it was, I think about beauty and the fact that it looks like insects and how does it know and there's like all this stuff about it it's just too perfect i guess or something okay and the side four talked about how you know one day we'll be able to use dna and reproduce just about anything we want so it's really no big deal but you know but you know it took millions of years for an orchid to become an orchid yeah, it didn't just happen. Yeah, it didn't just select. Oh, I'll well, it's be taken me forty three years to get to this point. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking, well, okay. Um, so you, so let's talk a little bit about live tweeting because yeah. you live tweeted this. Mm -hmm. I think last year we kind of live tweeted the Oscars a little bit. We did. Yeah, it's kind of fun to do that. Yeah, if you're a Twitterer and a Twitter follower, it's fun. Well, they had a hashtag. Which was uh, Psy V God. Oh, okay. And so what I do is I go on Twitter and I click on the hashtag and I watch other people. And I'll a lot of times respond to good stuff or all. Yeah. You know, you, you favorite items that you like because what it does is it lets people know that, you know, you you saw it. You're not necessarily going to respond to it. But, hey, I. You liked it. it was, it's, it's like hitting the like button on facebook just about or it's a bookmark if you go back you can see all the all the starred comments yeah. that or tweets that you've put out that you've starred yeah so I, I don't know that a lot of people go back and look at that i mean i probably have a thousand starred 
tweets. So I love the fact that you're um, tweeting about this Intelligence Square debate and science versus mm-hmm. God and doing all of that. And my tweets of the week consisted mostly about Liam Neeson's penis. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, oh, he has, I heard he has a very large penis. Yes, I've heard that too, I, which is why I was tweeting about it and, and in response to someone else who was tweeting about it. So that is the core difference between you and I, Jen. Do, do we have a picture of this penis? I've never seen it. I you haven't. haven't. Now, I, understand. I don't, don't want to see it. I don't want the myth to be debunked. I just really? want to think about it. Because, you know, Milton Berle was also known to have a very large penis. I've heard that. And James Wood supposedly does, too. Oh, was that right? I did, yeah. not, did not know that. Why do so, I know who has big penises? <laughs> <laughs> it's common knowledge. It is common knowledge. <laughs> Everybody should know. <laughs> Everybody should know. But I, I did want to differentiate between, for our audience to know that Judd is the uh, thoughtful and contemplative person, and, and I'm the penis person, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But still indicative of the fact that we're smart people, right? That's true. Why Stay why would we why why would we go from this intelligent stuff and uh you know thinking about it if we weren't smart people. So what what do smart people do? What do smart people do? Well, they probably don't podcast on Saturday mornings. I can tell you that for sure. Crazier things have happened. But um, there was an article in the Huffington Post about five things really smart people do, and there was a fun little picture of Albert Einstein, which the poor man can never take a good picture. Um, it's that hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even talking about about how much you know. This is about how you learn, right? And so how we evolve from one level of intelligence to the next is kind of what I got from it. Mm-hmm. And and the first thing, maybe we can divide this up, but we'll go through them kind of one by one. The first thing was you are supposed to quiet your inner voice. So you know how when somebody's talking and maybe you're doing it right now, you're kind of already thinking about the thing that you're going to say and yeah. the thing. Yeah. So sometimes I do that and sometimes I don't. I do that a lot, Judd. Yeah. I do a lot because I want – I love conversation, right? Yeah. So I'm so – eager to have conversation that's fun and good and stimulating or whatever that while you're talking, I'm thinking of what I want to talk about because I want to keep talking with you. It's not a, I don't care what you're saying thing. It's a, I want to keep engaged in this conversation. I think though that this is more when you're receiving information like at a seminar or something of that nature, not when you're engaged in conversation. But I think the article kind of applied to everything. I mean, that's sort of how I took it, which is interesting. Okay, so yes, I see what you're saying. But it's not saying that when you're at a seminar or whatever, that you're, you know, making a mental rundown of your grocery list. It's instead of listening, it's you're supposed to not formulate opinions until you've heard everything. Um, I guess it. Yeah. It's because I know that I do it myself and I think everybody does it. I don't know how you really quiet the inner voice because you have to do certain things. When you get data sent to you, you're constantly going, how can I compartmentalize it? Remember it, save it. And the only way you can do that is by having your inner voice tear that data apart and, you know, chunk it in the little areas that it goes in your brain. Because you have to form an opinion on, do I need to know this or do I need to remember this? That's right. Tr- yeah. And if you don't need to know it, then you've got to decide that and then let it leave your brain. Unless, of course, you're in your head, you're going, this person doesn't know anything about what they're talking about. I'm going to tune them out and blah, 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 blah. Which, unfortunately, is true a lot of the time, right? It does happen. And and in places where it shouldn't be true, it's true. So so stop arguing. I manage at work think the same thing about what I'm saying. Can you you stop arguing with me? Say that again. Can you stop arguing with me? <laughs> I'm going to stop arguing with you. Uh, no, that's All num- right, so what's the next thing? You yeah. do this one. Number two, argue with yourself. If you can't quiet the the inner voice, then at least use it to your advantage. That's what it says here. So every time you hear yourself contradicting a speaker, they tell you to, to take the other point of view and that the speaker could be correct. So I guess that's it's a management of number one. For, Got it. For people like me who know that they're not going to, they're not going to uh, talk about the sp- in my mind, have the speaker in my head. Do you ever do this? And I'm thinking about it now, and think. And sometimes I think I do. If somebody is 
paid or or been asked to give a speech on something, do you automatically grant them the suspension of any disbelief that they're not an expert in what they're talking about? Do I not grant them suspension of disbelief? (laughs) Hold on. That's my dangling participle or my double negative. But what I'm saying is if – if somebody – if you're going to go to a seminar and whatever that's about and that person is the keynote speaker of that seminar, you sort of have a bias in your brain already set up that they're going to know what they're talking about. So you are – maybe you're just going to go along with it and maybe you shouldn't go along with it because you should argue with it. No. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're saying. So you know what? Sometimes I go to seminars and this is true with especially with Toastmasters. It, depending on who the speaker is and even though they put people up on a pedestal, we look at those things and go, well, I just watched the guy who's supposed to be the greatest speaker in the world do 5,000 ahs and ums. And I just think that lots of the stuff they said was just bullshit. Uh-huh. And I don't have a problem. I, I can walk out and afterwards and say, you know, I there's things I just did not agree with what that person said. Right. Totally. Right. I agree with you on that. I think that – um I think that sometimes we just grant people that that power in our brain that, oh, they must know what they're talking about. And unless you do question it a little bit, maybe they don't. It's a fact. You are I right. Guess. We're sort of contradicting this whole article anyway. Um, <laughs> the third thing. <laughs> Act like you are curious. Does that mean be a monkey and a, live with a guy with a yellow hat? Is that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> Well, it talks about how some people are naturally curious, but if you're not naturally curious, and I guess this is the thing, is that smart people do this stuff without having to think about it. And this article is saying, if you're not really smart, you can pretend like you are if you do this kind of stuff. (laughs) Okay. And here again, I read this article sort of more about a personal interaction basis, not necessarily even you're attending an educational seminar event or whatever. And that I don't know about you, but I find nothing more annoying than people that don't ask questions. In two scenarios, if you're trying to explain a situation to somebody, maybe it's work-related, and you go through it and you think you've communicated it to the best of your abilities, and you say, are there any questions? And people, it's crickets. That's all you hear, nothing, because nobody has a question. Maybe they're afraid to ask a question. But I don't understand that fear. If you don't know something that's crucial to your completion or ability to complete a task, why would you not ask? What, mm-hmm. what is that all about? And then secondarily, if you're having conversation with folks, maybe people you don't know or people you're just meeting, and you're curious about what they do and who they are and what they're all about, and they give you none of that back, I don't know what that is. To me, that's – it's rude. Do you ever have that situation? Well, yeah, and it's because people – are not necessarily engaged, right? They're That's tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't care what you're saying, so they just tune out, and that's why you don't get a question. Oh, interesting. Because they're not listening. I never thought of it that way. Well, now my feelings are hurt. Uh, <laughs> it says, as long as you're not a cat, you should benefit from these actions of curiosity. I wonder what will happen if I stick my finger in a light socket. <laughs> <laughs> So, number four. Well, I guess, it, well, I'll just say this then. To anyone whom I've had conversation with, I do oftentimes put people under a light bulb and ask a lot of questions because I am genuinely curious about them. I wouldn't be talking to them if I wasn't. Exactly. All right. I agree. What's number four? Find the kernel of truth. Kernel of truth. Okay. You're, you know, you got to separate the wheat from the shaft. You got to separate the... The malarkey from the not malarkey. <laughs> so in the that's the word they used word in the article for the folks that were that were pro God, and that maybe isn't where you find yourself all the time. Can you find a kernel of truth in what they said? In the pro, yeah. Oh, I uh, voted with the pro side. I felt that uh, in this debate, the pro people won the debate. I don't, oh, and they didn't change my. That's the funny thing is they didn't necessarily change my mind about God, but they um, won the debate against the people who were supposed to be the defenders of God. I think that the defenders of God totally didn't do their job. They didn't do okay. So it's like a a, a trial attorney 
not proving his case beyond the reasonable doubt. That's right. You got to go with the reasonable doubt. You you got to you have to declare victory based upon the evidence shown, not just because you walk in and you say, "Well, I don't need to listen to this because I've already made up my mind." But you could still believe something and still watch a debate. It's like uh, Casey Anthony. You can believe that yes, she was guilty and she did it, but watching the trial based upon the evidence presented, she was not guilty. And that's because we see all the other extenuating information and all the media bias to it or whatever, but right. in the courtroom, they that, only saw those facts. That's right. That's or or the facts that were presented. There were probably facts that they didn't see as well. Right. And so, if you're watching this intelligence square debate and you decide that uh, I'm going to bring in my own personal bias, so I believe in God, and right. you can't tell me any different. It's your your job to convince me that I'm wrong. No, 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 no. That's not what this debate's about. This debate is about two sides taking the topic and beating the crap out of it and trying to come up with a victor based upon the facts presented, in my opinion. In your opinion. Yeah. All right. Good for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, this is an interesting one. Focus on the message, not the messenger. And we kind of touched on this a little bit. Like if you're if you're watching someone speak and maybe they have a physical defect or maybe they're stunningly beautiful, are you paying attention to what they're saying? If they're stunningly beautiful, that's a tough one. Are you mentally undressing them the entire time they're giving you the speech about, you know, binary code or whatever it is that you're supposed to be learning at your seminar oh hell yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> i'm like wow i love that at the core we're just humans right and we just i, I am sometimes do that I, I i'm a human um i think there's a i think the fact is is i tell you that's the truth but there's a lot of people who wouldn't be honest about that oh of course not well i'm sure and maybe in another scenario, I might not be honest about it either. But with you on this podcast, I have no one else to hide it from. But, but here's the thing. We know how to keep it in check. Just because you have it in your brain and you're going, okay, yeah, she's a beautiful woman. and Okay. And, and then – but you know to just hold that in. There, You just don't – you don't even address it. You just kind of like – you just have to, you know, let it go. Let it go, <laughs> let, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. And I think that's probably a sign of your intelligence that you're, you're able to make that distinction and separate it out. Of course, the message and not the messenger, you know, maybe you don't like your boss or your, someone you work with or whatever it is or, or somebody else and they have a message to give you. And yeah, and it might be valuable, right? You're right. exactly right. You know, instead of like screw him or her, it's like okay, I got the information, and and that's what they're talking about: focusing on the message, not the messenger. It's and it's not personal. And and there's uh this core the the what is it called the four um darn it the four agreements. Oh have yeah. You, have you heard of the four agreements? I didn't like it. You didn't like it? I didn't like oh. it. <laughs> it was an Oprah thing, and I really like Oprah things usually, but... Was it an Oprah thing? Yeah, it was. Well, Everything's an Oprah thing. Come on, Judd. Oh, I got it for before Oprah, or well, I'm sure I think... you didn't, but... I mean, no, I, no, I, I know what the four agreements are, and I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying I didn't like how it was presented in that book. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it was like, you know, don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. But everything's personal. Is it? I don't know. This is my problem in life. Yeah. It's, you know, it is tough to not take things personally, but I kind of think it goes back to what we're talking about here. Focus on the message, not the messenger. Don't make it right. personal. If you, you just say, you make it impersonal, you can deal with the situation and not the people around it. It's very interesting. I hope people don't do that when I speak because as the messenger, I know I use parts of my personality to convey my message, right? And if people are going to dismiss it, Oh no 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 no! But that's different. It's it's a lot different than someone sh shooting the messenger. No no no! But what I'm saying is that if you're a charismatic messenger, and I'm not saying I'm charismatic, but I try to be animated when I speak, right? Yeah. And I want I do that purposefully to win people over, right? Because my character flaw in life is that I want to be liked. So even if it's people that I don't 
necessarily care. I want them to still like me. I don't know. That's weird. But you know, there's always there's those people that you deal with that are always negative and no, no, no about everything. Right? You come up with this great idea, they go, can't be done. Uh, why don't we do this? No. That's uh, we've already tried that, and you go on and on, and everything is just bad. And no, yeah. Eventually, they are the messenger that you're going. Well, let's not bother with that person because we already know what they're going to say. Yeah, so they true. they've screwed themselves in. Even they come up, then they want to come up with an idea and be taken seriously. You're like, screw you. Even if it is a great idea, even if it's a good idea, you're like, no, 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 because yeah. you said no seven thousand times. So the karma universe gods are going to say no. That's it. <laughs> it is the karma universe, and th- and then you can have a full on. Uh, deal of that uh what's that german word schadenfreude Schadenfreude, yes yes it's my favorite word i'm gonna get that on a license plate although it's too many letters i I think you probably could get it as one of those like you know remember those volkswagen things that were like uh farfanugan but but they were like effing grooving and (laughs) schadenfen schadenfreude yeah i like that i like that a lot all right well we've, we've now figured out how to be smarter yeah we did and I think it's just all about being more thoughtful, right? Like thinking more. Yeah. Right? It's That's the core of this thing is that just think a little bit more before you make your snap judgment. Mm-hmm. Although snap judgments are fun. So. <laughs> I like making my mind up quickly and not changing it. <laughs> well, what about these very, very powerful people? They probably are very smart people that do a lot of these things. You'd like to think so, right? You would. So there's a list of uh, a few of these most powerful people in the world. Not necessarily the most richest people in the world, but they're powerful people. Even though the list is from Forbes magazine. Well, that's true. You'd think it'd be all about money, right? Mm, yeah, I well, you but it's, would. But it's not. I mean, it's not, it's not about that. So, mm-hmm. um, Okay, so the people that you expect to be on the list are there. You know, the Obamas of the world, the... The whomevers. Mm-hmm. There's all those people. Were there any surprises on the list to you? The Walmart guy. Who yeah. It, uh, that, I was surprised to see him. Well, it's funny because when you think about it, they're exactly right. I mean, they dominate everything. And good, bad, or indifferent, they dominate everything. And he controls so many people's lives. So many people are employed by Walmart. Well, that's what it says. Indirectly yeah. employs 2 million people. But they said that the richest man in the world, it ranked number 11, interestingly enough. And there's 77 slots on the list. One for every 100 million people on the planet. Oh, interesting. So I guess the list will grow as more people grow. I I would think. Yeah, right? New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg is number 16. Because of... He's he's in, in, involved in lots of different things. He, he's you know the mayor of this big city, his prominent politician, but he's also a big philanthropist, and he owns a media empire. So he has all these different things. So, but doesn't necessarily mean that just money is going to make you the most powerful person. Because you look at the president of the United States, who I kind of think is probably number one. I, I don't. Don't you think? I don't have a list here of the actual. Oh, let's see, our full list. Let's let's actually see who's number. Yeah, we'll, look, we'll read the top five. So, Barack Obama. Yep. Which makes it makes sense to us as Americans, and I wonder if it doesn't make sense to other people. Uh-huh. Now, I was surprised about number two. Oh. Because she's a woman. No, because I'm teasing the, you. <laughs> Because okay, please stop mentally undressing Angela Merkel, Judd. I mean, come on. What do you think? I'm George Bush. <laughs> he physically tried to undress her. I think he did. Her. Yeah, she's from Germany. Right, and Germany is the only country that kind of has it going on still. Right? Is that what it is? Is it because right. they're so financially stable? They're the only ones that are on their feet. Because I don't see the UK. I would have thought the pr- prime minister of the UK would be number two. Uh, well, I think. Monetarily, Germany's still stronger. Really? And yeah. They're, and they're on that darn euro, so that's kind yeah. of crazy. That Vladimir Putin, of course. Huh. Yeah. And they have him with his shirt on in here. I can't, uh, you know, 
he likes to have those photo ops where he's oh, shirtless he? or holding a gun or you know uh, bareback on a horse. He's wow. like the old Spice Guy or something. He's always getting <laughs> characterized as very manly. <laughs> he's like the Trojan Man. Yeah, right. Trojan Man. And he's not even. In, he's not the main guy anymore, but he's still sort of the main guy. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's Bill, interesting. Bill Gates, number four. I think it's because of his philanthropy. Okay, I was going to say, I I still think Steve Jobs is more influential posthumously than Bill Gates is. I I would agree that his empire is doing much more to influence other people's empires, for sure. But, I mean, we don't see the Google guys on here. We don't see the Facebook guys in the top five. But Bill Gates is. So that's weird. But the Facebook guy being... The he, most powerful people in the world. He's definitely on the list. In fact, uh, it's a pretty powerful website. But to, I don't know, world. I don't know. Well, like Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the Google guys are nineteen and twenty. All right. Well, I guess okay. The top twenty that makes sense. Mark Zuckerberg is number twenty-five. Oh, all right. Yeah, you know. I'm still a fan of his. I just I root for that kid. I think you know. Right. I hope he makes it. I I do like Mark Zuckerberg. I, if the movie portrayal of him is anywhere accurate, I I liked him still, even though he was flawed and is flawed. Right. Warren Buffett's number 15. I thought he would have been a little higher. Right. We're only going to do the top five. What's up with that? I know. <laughs> but we, we've, and we've talked forever today. Okay. So, anyways, that that's the big list. There, um, And the Pope is number five. So... That one, I don't know. Give, give him a, a tweet shout-out, because apparently he's tweeting now. He's now on Twitter, he's right? On Twitter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's see. What else? Okay, so that's the big the, the big and powerful. But there is a guy. He's kind of powerful, kind of big, apparently, in the computer world. I'm talking about Bill Gates and everything. John yeah. McAfee of, uh, you know, your computer is infected by a virus. Better give me a bunch of money. Just like right. Nor- just like Norton. You know, you get those pop-ups on your PC. All the time. You know, you know, give me your processing power so I can slow down that beautiful computer you just bought with mm-hmm. some antivirus stuff that doesn't really work anyways. Hmm. None of it really works, right? Well, you know what? They create a brand new virus to defeat your stuff. You have to get an update. So if you don't get updated before the virus goes viral, you're infected anyways. So and it doesn't fix your computer after it's already, you know, acquired all of your contacts and spammed everybody you know. And yeah, everything. everybody's getting the emails. Yeah. you know, it's crazy. Yeah. So John McAfee is accused. I don't have the full story on this exactly, but accused of murder down in in Central America, and apparently he was on the lam, hiding out. Okay, so John McAfee. Yes. So, so he's down in Central America. And he's accused of murder. I don't know. Crazy. That's what they're kind of saying. So eccentric, I think, is what the term you have to use when people have money, right? right, Eccentric. Yes. And so they, uh, somebody, somehow finds him on Facebook or is a Facebook friend, and they download a picture, and I believe it came from Facebook. I'm not positive. Okay. But it was a photo taken with an iPhone of the guy. Okay. And the photo is has GPS data in it. And the Guatemalan authorities were able to use that GPS data in your in his iPhone photo to locate him. And that's how they caught him. See, that's crazy because the photo was posted online. I believe so. And so they download a uploaded photo mm-hmm. and the and the photo still has that information embedded in it. Right. So this is frightening because I think of all the various iPhoto photos I've taken. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it really it's when you get it down to certain places that you take the photo that you may not ever want revealed. Like some people don't want their house known. Right. But then there's the um, you know, it's the time that you're if you associate a time with a the location, then if somebody's looking to find you, that would be, you know, you, you have to do that in real time. It's it's interesting and and here again it's that technology that when he's a 
serial axe murderer or doing the world's, you know, about to, to set off a dirty bomb, you're like, okay, please find him in the photo, right? But in the regular world of, I, I don't know that I want people having that capability. I don't know. It's That's that weird debate. I know, but I love having my GPS photos. I don't know. You don't you probably even realize it. If you go on your iPhone, you can look at photos and then click on the little earth map. Yes. I No, I do know you can do that. I haven't done oh, it, but okay. I know you can. Well, it may not be a big deal to you today, but in 20 years or 10 years from now, when you go, you know, I got a zillion photos I took over the last long period of time with my iPhone, and you get on your computer, because now in the next, well, you could do it now, but even in 10 years from now, every photo program is going to have the GPS thing built in. And you'll have a picture of Southern California or wherever you've been and little pins all over the map. And you'll be able to see where every photo you took uh, was taken at. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, I rem- I, that memory that you have about that event will be reinforced by the location. Why doesn't your memory just reinforced by the fact that, A, you have a picture and, B, you maybe remember the moment. I think so much of our memories now are based on the online memory of something. Well, Do you ever think that? Yeah, but, like, there's pictures that you take in a bar or place that just doesn't look like anything. And you're like, I don't remember this picture. Where was that taken at? Oh, maybe we attach – maybe that's you attaching different meaning to photos. I don't know. I think people have a different take on that. I, I, I can look at – I can pretty much 99% guarantee you I can look at any picture from any time 15, 20 years ago and know exactly what was happening when it was taken. I really feel that way. Really? Well, see, I don't know that I could do that. Although, do I want to know the location? All right. I guess maybe I do. No. Was that one, was that SeaWorld or was that, uh, you know, some other Disney or where was that picture taken? Where were we? I guess, I guess, I guess. I don't know. And, of course, I have this fear, and as a mother, it makes it worse, that I haven't captured enough, right? Like, I'm not a videographer. We don't have a lot of video, home video. And we have very – well, we have no video of our children, right? Like, what? when they were babies or oh, whatever. Yeah. And and just because we weren't into that, I don't – we just didn't do it. And now I wonder, should we have or does everybody else have it? And, and especially, like, when you watch Dateline or whatever and you see a retrospective about somebody mm-hmm. and they have all this video from when they were babies to now when they were adults because people now that are adults were around when videos were around. And, and I think, oh, if my kids ever become senator or whatever, they're not going to be able to have that, you know, childhood footage on the screen. Well, you need to start taking some video. I guess I should, huh? on that. All yeah. right. You I'm got an iPhone? <laughs> and it's not like you can't do it with a very easy – you know, it's very simple. It's like you know, on a birthday, you, you turn instead of just taking a photo, do you take a picture? You go, I mean, you take a video and say, you know, record everybody singing happy birthday and the person blowing out the candles. I guess I should start doing that. All right. Yeah. And now with the new iPhone 5, whenever you upgrade in the next 10 years to that, whenever that happens, you can, you can actually take video and then hit the button while you're taking video and it'll snap snapshots at the same time at the same time right yeah. oh then i have no excuse i know all right i better get on it right but because i do that all the time i go i want a picture i don't want the video because the picture is going to be higher quality you know, okay right so now they've they've solved that problem wow so Those people at apple bastards now i gotta <laughs> upgrade so yeah all right so what's his name's gonna go to jail or go on trial for potentially I, murdering his neighbor oh that's what it was okay but he claims his innocence, of course, and that he would never do it. Although there's all kinds of stories about him and the neighbor fighting. And apparently um, – okay, funny story. I always thought his name was pronounced McAfee. And mm-hmm. every time I read that thing on the computer, it's McAfee. Right. His name is McAfee, right? I think that's right. Yeah. And I've – it's one of those things where I can't even process his name correctly because to me, he's John McAfee, not McAfee. So I have uh-huh. to make that – distinction every time I hear or say his name in my brain because I've read it eight trillion times on my computer screen. So, okay, so there's all, he has all kinds of attack dogs and stuff on his property in Belize. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's very um, paranoid. He's just crazy. I can understand. And I think well, you moved in down that there. world yeah. of computer hackery or avoidance of computer hackery would make you that way, right? 
I think so. I think and now we all should be a little bit paranoid if they can find us through our iPhotos. Yeah. I, well, I'm not paranoid about it. I think it depends on um, – there's a lot to that. If you, if you live in the United States, they can find you. It doesn't really matter. They can find you with a credit card. They can find you with – there's so many other ways to find a person. We leave electronic trails all over the Everywhere, place. right? Yeah. yeah. Right? You know, the photo just happened to be that one tiny bit of data that was easy. It was an easy bit of data. You yeah. apply for credit. You, um, like I said, buy gasoline at, with, at, with a card. Uh, it's, Everything is traceable. You, any, yeah. Anytime you apply for something that goes into a computer, you quickly reveal who you are and where you are. I know. Kind of hate that. You know, and there's people who have access to that information pretty easily too. Private That's interesting. No wonder the end of the world's happening. It is. <laughs> I'm going to put my aluminum foil hat on. I guess we better wrap this up, huh? This we is, should. This I got to go get into the bunker. I know. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see here. We talked about a bunch of great stuff today, didn't we? Home Alone. Home Alone. Not the Macaulay Culkin movie. Mm-hmm. End of the world. Yeah. Coming to a theater near you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Intelligence Squared, Squared, right? We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to uh, tag them to r- let them know we, we gave them a shout out. You bet. Uh, five things really smart people do. Uh, I still only do about three of them. Three of them. <laughs> I don't know. I I think the first two were kind of strange because they were in opposition to each other. and Kind of, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah they were weird. Who writes this shit? Yeah. The world's most powerful people. Talk to- we didn't do that article much justice in our description of it, but it is interesting, the range of people that are on there. It's not the richest people. It's the most powerful. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Power yeah. is mm-hmm. way more exciting than money. Yeah. that's and that, and that, well, right? I was just going to say, <laughs> as soon as you said that. Oh, wait, we did not talk about the third nipple on oh. Mark Wahlberg. Oh, okay. Let's get that out there. Quickly, we, we, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. But the last, the last show we did, this is it Supernumerary? Is that what it's called? Supernumerary. Supernumerary, excuse me. Yes. Um, me, is the medical terminology for people having a third nipple, correct? The, yes. Yeah. And, and so it sparked some conversation, and... Somebody interestingly enough tweeted you that mm-hmm. some that Mark Wahlberg, the celebrity, had a third nipple, right? That's correct. Well, actually, I found it on the wiki, and okay. then and then this person uh, replied to one to the posting of our our TJ's talks for last week and mentioned that uh, they had seen one before, that they knew one what what one was, right? Mm-hmm. And that that is funny because. I've never seen it. And so, of course, then we Google it, right? And we right. look at the pictures. And mm-hmm. he does have a third little thing there underneath his uh, one of his nipples, his left nipple, I guess, right? Right. Correct. So, but it's not what you think of. Like, the way we were kind of describing it was like a full third breast with a big Well, there's no third nipple. areola. It's just the bump. Well, there's a little areola. Oh, I didn't notice that. I, I mean, I was, I, it looked like a mole to me. It didn't it, look like a nipple. It does. It looks like a mole with a little skin tag on it. Right. Like, you know, so it does have a little, but they have different ones. In fact, uh, there's different types. If you go well, on, it doesn't look like mine. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> go, go on the wiki, type in supernumerary nipple, and you'll find there's actually eight different types. Supernumerary. I think that's going to be my new password for things. I just like that. If you could spell it, man. It would be my safe word. (laughs) (laughs) Supernumerary. What? Supernumerary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, on that note, we should probably close out the show. (laughs) Yes. For all of those who have supernumerary nipples. See, you can't say it. You're going to still get the feeding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, oh, well, you know, the funny thing about this, you know, in folklore, it says an extra nipple was held to be indicative of the woman concerned was a witch. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
very, very interesting. So for TJ Talks, we're going to close this out because I think there's just way too much nipple action going on here right now. <laughs> a nip slip, oh dear. And we're going to have a nip slip, and that's the end of it. So, all right, so let's finally wrap this up. So for TJ Talks, I'm Judd. And I'm Two Nipple Teresa. <laughs> And we will talk to you later. Talk to you later. And what are you going to do all weekend, Jed? Well, I'm planning on jumping around naked up and down on the furniture. <laughs> I knew you'd be naked for most of it. Uh-huh.